0: This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. Today we come to the 18th canto of the Purgatorio, which means that we are still right at the center or the hinge of the whole divine comedy. And what we find at that hinge is a careful discussion of the central role of love in the universe. That discussion began in Canto 17, where it focused on what you might call the structural issues related to love. We learned there that even though love is a good and godlike thing, it can go wrong, either by loving the wrong things, or by loving too much, or by loving too little. Now in Canto 18, that discussion continues. But it turns away from these structural questions and invites us to look instead at what's going on in our hearts, or as Virgil usually says, in our souls every time we love. You can call this the moral psychology of love, if you want a fancy name for it. What's going on inside of you when you love someone or something? What makes that inner movement of love to be right? And how can it go wrong? These are exactly the questions that the pilgrim asks Virgil as our canto begins. Virgil's initial answer is that the human heart is naturally drawn toward anything that pleases it. And here's how that drawing works. You perceive something pleasing in reality, and Virgil says, your apprehensive power extracts an image that it displays within you forcing your mind to be attentive to it. The idea here is pretty straightforward, I think, and really quite vivid. I perceive whatever the attractive thing is, a physical thing like a beautiful landscape or a non-physical thing like a noble aspiration or an intellectual anomaly or whatever, I perceive the attractive thing. And an image of that thing is set up inside me so that I always have it fresh in mind and so that I experience an ongoing inclination toward it. That natural inclination toward the image of an attractive thing is love. And once that image is set up, Virgil explains in very carefully chosen words, the captive soul begins its quest, not resting till the thing love is enjoyed. You see how this works. I see the thing, I'm captivated by it, and so I go after it. But this raises another question for Dante the Pilgrim. He says, in effect, hold on a second, if the soul is really taken captive, then it has no power to resist, right? So how can love be either praised as a good thing or blamed as a bad thing? Isn't it just a natural response, something that just happens? This is really a crucial question, and it prompts Virgil to introduce another very vivid metaphor in order to show that the soul is not taken captive in a simple, unambiguous way. So think again, practically now, about how love works. Just imagine, I'm sitting in my home, minding my own business, when suddenly there's a knock at the door. And when I go to the door... I see that the visitor is someone or something that is supremely attractive and desirable, something I am naturally drawn to, something I want, something I immediately love. But here's the crucial question. Will I let it into my house, my dorm room, my apartment? Will I give consent for this marvelously attractive thing to cross the threshold into my life, to take over and start rearranging things. What will guard that threshold when desire is crying out to let this beautiful thing inside? Note that if nothing guards that threshold, then our loves or our desires simply rule us. Then we really are captives in the worst sense. We're like the souls in hell who are driven like animals by their passions. Remember, for example, Francesca and Paolo in Canto V of the Inferno, the adulterous pair who, as they said, were suddenly seized by love. They were sitting alone together, all innocent, says Francesca, and reading the passionate story of Sir Lancelot and Guinevere and their illicit love. Hmm. As they're reading, all innocent, says Francesca, suddenly their eyes met. Their faces flushed, we might say, they heard a knock at the door. And in a flash, love had taken over their lives. Every other virtue, every scrap of self-control, every wedding vow, all were cast aside. They were captive to love. See, this is the story of two people drawn into lust and betrayal and ultimately into damnation because there was nothing to guard the threshold of consent, nothing to protect them from enslavement when something that looked and felt like an absolute good knocked at the door. But what is it that ought to protect us? If it's natural for desire to arise when that lovely thing knocks, what can guard the threshold of consent? The classical answer, and Dante's answer, is we must be guarded by the distinctively human faculty of reason. We experience desire, we recognize and are attracted by the beautiful thing at the door, but we can think through whether or not this luscious visitor ought to be allowed across the threshold and into the room. In a word, we can choose—that's what it is—to be a real full, mature human person. Now there are many subtleties here because, as we all know, reason does not necessarily have absolute power when confronted by strong desire. This is where Virgil speaks about the significance of free will, that mysterious feature of humanity that enables us to choose reasonably whether to pursue a certain desire or not though it is itself influenced by how we approach the desire. If you freely choose to focus on this particular desire, if you freely choose to let this attractive thing remain right there at the threshold, with the door open, with your longing eyes gazing at it, you'll find that you've made it more difficult to freely choose to resist the desire a moment later. Picture, picture Gollum in Tolkien's Lord of the Rings stories. The normal, ordinary creature who receives a birthday present. How nice! And who slowly gives himself to it until it is the precious that controls him, that enslaves, that he cannot live without. Keep an eye out for exactly this scenario at the beginning of our next canto, Canto 19 where something horribly but fascinatingly ugly makes an appearance. But where, by your giving in to the fascination, by your continuing to gaze on the ugliness, the ugliness itself slowly fades. It grows less ugly in your eyes, grows more beautiful, and then more beautiful yet, until your freely chosen flirting turns into a kind of captivity that you cannot resist. Watch for that in Canto 19, and watch for it in your own experience today. Guard the threshold of consent. Now, this danger, the danger of flirting with illicit desire in a way that ultimately leads us to enslavement by it, this danger may be the reason that here in Canto 18, We move so directly from the discussion of the role of freedom in rationally defending against the power of natural desire to a consideration of the temptation of sloth. So let's say a word or two about that as we close. We today often think of sloth as the sin of laziness, but the deeper problem is what the ancients always called acedia, literally the absence of care. You can be busy even busy with lots of good things yet you can still have a heart that is always saying ah whatever a heart that does a thing but that does not much care about it that doesn't love it or love anything as far as that goes enough to really pursue it acedia doesn't care about this enough to keep from being distracted by that it doesn't as we say have its eye on the prize And so it drifts from here to there, doing whatever strikes its fancy at the moment. Now, this is a real problem for Dante, who speaks repeatedly throughout the Divine Comedy of his own lethargy and distraction. But it's also a real temptation for many of us in the prosperous, tech-savvy 21st century. We live in an age of stories and Film clips and Twitter feeds and viral YouTube videos and Snapchat streaks and TikToks without end. There is so much to be entertained by, so many channels to surf. Even with respect to spiritual life, it is so much easier to dream about making progress or to watch a TED talk about making progress than to actually make progress. Of course, there's nothing wrong with taking a break or with watching an inspirational video or two. But remember the ultimate aim. Remember the goal. As one of the runners here on the Terrace of Sloth says, time is love. What you do with your time shows what you really love, and it ultimately becomes what you love. don't be content with mere entertainment. Don't doze off. Wake up. What are you giving yourself to? What image have you set before your mind's eye as the goal? Don't just gaze at whatever lovely thing is at the door. Guard the threshold. If it's something you ought to pursue, then pursue it with boldness, with energy. If it's not something you ought to pursue, then close the door. Stop playing foolish and dangerous games. Time is love. You were made for love, but not for just any love. Go after the love that you were made for and do it now. Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. Continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College with support from the Tory Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.